From high above First Street South in presentable Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Ellen Burns Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Arthur Croy, I too make nice games. In this episode, Peter Yang is here to talk about pitching to board game publishers and to help your nice hosts with the same. Also, Dale is here. So if everyone is ready, let's start. Booyah. <laughs> Who wrote the intro? Dale, did you write the intro? What? Because you're like, also Dale's here. That, that. Yeah, I put that in there. Well, it should be bigger. Steven, you missed the meeting where we decided to not hide the fact that Dale is here. No, I'm not trying to hide. <laughs> I want emphasis. Yeah. We agreed that we like Dale and we want her to be here. We want listeners yes. to know. Yes. Not previously as you suggested, which is to never <laughs> invite her on the show yeah, and reveal that, that she's yeah, here. Yeah, that sounds like me. Let me, <laughs> let me try it a couple times and we can cut it back in. Uh-huh. And also Dale is here. <laughs> and also Dale is here. And also Dale is here. <laughs> so uh, what, we have Peter here and Peter will get to you in a second. No rush. <laughs> <laughs> and also Peter's here. <laughs> um, why are there five people in the clubhouse today? That's a good question. How do we even fit? That's yeah. the better question. <laughs> we uh, have been working on Glom because uh, we love that game a lot, uh-huh. and it's it's got the juice. It's got the yeah. That's a good. That's a good way to present it. Though. Um, it's got the juice. So we've been doing that, and we're like getting to a point where we're actually starting to. You want to like pitch it to publishers? Yeah. Well, let me stop you right there. Oh, for listeners who might have missed the episode, yeah. What, what is Glom? Oh yeah, that's fair. Uh, Dale, you want to present it? You've been practicing. Okay. Glom is a rewarding romp of regular remarks. It's a party <laughs> game that plays with words, and it's very easy to teach and play. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, that's accurate. Um, um, they they invented it during a game jam episode, which you can link to in the show notes. <laughs> right. Yes. We did all this prep for this episode, uh, but I forgot to know what num what episode number was. That? Oh gosh. <laughs> Uh, one of those numbers, you know. Um, really quick. You can go to the website. That's true. And you can search for Glom. And it'll yeah, come actually, up. that would work. That would work. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we did. Um, so listeners who followed us through our winter hiatus know we did spend a ton of time on Roboston, a game we came up with just before hiatus. And yes. I mean, I still love that game. I still think that game has a future. Yeah. But we got a little burned out on it. And then uh, we were, I think we were all like, OK, no more nice games jams after we spent all hiatus working on that yeah. game. Uh, no, but then I think we had like either a guest fall through or we like there was a topic we didn't fully research and didn't want to do. And so we're like, all right, let's just do a Game Jam episode. Um, it's not gonna, it's not going to be our best work, but you know what? You can't win them all. Yep. And we came up with Glom <laughs> within like a third of the episode. It was like finished. Yeah. And it is like probably the best game we've ever made here on the show. Um, just in terms of it, like it, it, its completeness and its, uh, I mean, this is just my opinion now, but I feel like it expresses a lot of like what we all are as designers and we were sort of firing on all cylinders when we put it together and it just came out fully baked and, um, not that there isn't still tweaking to do. Dale has been an enormous help mm-hmm. getting it in shape, uh, make, uh, adding content to the game, which is what it lacked uh, initially. And so the four of us now have this game that we want to do something with. And in steps Peter. Hi. <laughs> I was also going to say, you've done a lot of games uh, on Game Jam. Perhaps you would like to give it a nice Games Jam award. Oh, we'll start awarding our games. Yeah, yeah, we'll rank them. Yeah. That would have to be a listener. Yeah. A listener. That's like ranking your children. <laughs> Is Glom your Which favorite? we do. We yeah. Do <laughs> yeah. Which um. It's episode two ten. You can listen to this happy accident take place on mm-hmm. episode two ten. Oh, is yeah. that how you address your children? Happy accidents. <laughs> <laughs> or you are child number one. <laughs> you are child number two. I mean, sometimes you can't hide it. It's like, well, you're ten years younger than the rest of your siblings because you were the result of a podcast episode. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, okay. So before we before Peter enters the story, just yes. uh, Ellen and Stephen, like. Is my telling of that, does that sound no, about right? No, that's accurate. I just wouldn't necessarily say that Glom is the best game we've ever made. Oh, no. That's all. Oh. What, what would you say? I don't I don't know which one would be the best. It's oh, just, just, just I just think commit. that, no, yeah, that's kind of it. But <laughs> like, I'm just trying to get awards to our game. Oh. <laughs> because <laughs> you that's helpful tassel. 
in pitching. That's true. It goes it goes on the box, and that's that, that helps. It <laughs> doesn't count if we give the award to ourselves. <laughs> we'll look into that to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> this is the glommiest game that yeah. we've ever made. Yes. Uh, what say you, Ellen? Um, I love glom. Yeah, it's good. I don't know. It's simple. It's got an ele- I feel like a really elegant rule set, and but it, <laughs> just ridiculous results. Some real and it just I don't know. It's fun to play. I think that's the the biggest thing is I don't really yeah. care about the scoring. I just like seeing what people come up with. Yeah. Until I care about the scoring. If I'm winning, I generally care. <laughs> um, or if I'm playing against Lane. Sorry, Lane. <laughs> sorry, not sorry, Lane. Yeah. But only because Lane has a great sense of vocabulary. So mm-hmm. I always feel like he kind of pushes my English degree back into yeah. high gear. And that's the thing about Glom that we haven't gotten into the details. It is a word game, it's yeah. a party game. Um, and we'll get, well, we, this episode is going to be devoted to us talking a little bit about getting in it in final tip top shape to be able to pitch it to board game publishers, which is something the three of us on the show, um, don't have really any experience with, but yeah. our guest, Peter Yang does. Yeah. I, I guess I've been doing this for about three years now, mm-hmm. which is a really weird thing to say out loud and in front of an audience. Cause looking back at when I first started. I was just kind of just doing it for the fun. Like, mm. I've always wanted to do game design and I can't program or code at all, unfortunately. So I was like, what's the next natural step? Is just board games. You just <laughs> say the rules and everyone follows them. Great. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, so when that journey first started, uh, I did like a pro- I attended a protospiel in Minnesota, mm-hmm. which uh, is a very big uh, board game kind of event for like all across the world and nation. There's like a big protospiel that happens in uh, multiple states. But we have protospiel in Minnesota. Uh, in January, and this was like right after December, where I attended my first online uh, video game jam, and right into that swung into Protospiel, and I just started dedicating my life, finally making steps for making that happen. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's exciting. Oh man, that must have felt so nerve wracking. <laughs> yeah, it was insane. I, I only my only recommendation to anyone who wants to do this in their time is to start now, because I wish I'd started now earlier. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think we all feel a little bit of that. It's like as soon as. You start, you, you dabble, you try it, and then like you, it ramps up at some point. Yeah. And you look back years later and you're like, that could have happened earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's probably true for a lot of us. Yeah. Yeah. But I think uh, ever since that time, I think my repertoire is like, I try and get, I try and sign one game a year, which I've been hitting uh, the past few years, which has been really successful, I feel. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people who work on like pitching a game, like rarely get uh, that signature, get that contract. And I've been very fortunate uh, to find like a like kind of like a, as an agent, I kind of find developers that are uh, small, first time, or people who are like a little bit on the shy side who just don't want to take their games out to the public. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, I think this is great. Let me take it for you. And that's how the partnership kind of worked out. And then over the few years, I've been slowly building a small clientele. Yeah. So, but I, I'm still the weird person that does like I tend on like the IGDA, the video game. At events, and I'm the board game guy. That's just who I am. <laughs> You've got your niche. Yeah, we're glad to have you here. Oh, yeah. happy to be here. That, that that describes us as <laughs> where indeed we didn't set out to make a, a board game. It just kind of happened, and uh, we don't have experience pitching board games at all. Yeah, and I think a lot of our knowledge in as professional uh, digital game designers. It transfers, but not as much as maybe we hoped when we started looking into this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think so, Peter. Because I think we value your opinion on board games. We just wanted you to play Glum. Yeah, and I and uh, knowing that you're busy, <laughs> 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 but uh, you did see something in it, and you're you're helping us out to get it in front of people. Yeah, I, I'd say that's. I you invited me over on a Saturday. I played it once, and I was like. This game's got the sauce. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, mm, "This is a this is a good party game," and I I I, I trust my initial, initial gut. And I was like, and so we started talking that same day. And I, my initial thought was like, "How do I market this? How do I pitch this?" That's mm-hmm. my immediate thought. Mm-hmm. And I brought it up to a friend who I also pitched it to, and they were like, "If I wasn't already swamped in party games, I would sign this right now and Ooh. order a hundred thousand copies." Oh printed. my goodness! Oh dang! I didn't yeah. know the second half. Yeah, you sure the second half. Yeah, yeah. I just got really. <laughs> and I was like, "Whoa!" Like, thank you for such a compliment. But then you're like, then so they recommended, like, "Hey, you should pitch this to like the higher ups, like CEG and Hasbro, which is what we'll talk about later in the half of this podcast." Mm-hmm. I'm drinking some water. Yeah, Ellen <laughs> needs to hydrate. <laughs> so I think, um, you know, we it was really obvious to us that Glom is special that it that it, it could go somewhere. But 
I don't think we really have the ambitions that you immediately saw for it. Mm-hmm. And so that really helps us because it, like we trust your judgment and like your expertise to like know this sector in a way that we would just be fumbling through, which means that we wouldn't know who to pitch it to. And maybe we could get a meeting. Maybe we could even get a contract. But like, would it be the best thing for us in as for our careers? Uh, because we don't want to like we're not board game designers and we're not going to become board game designers forever. <laughs> right. Yeah. But we do. We want this yeah. game to be treated right. I, and um, I, I would say that your guys' ambitions was let's wake Dale up. Nance. <laughs> that's where it started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a big deal, you guys. But yeah, it's true. But yeah. Peter's ambitions are let's let's uh, uh, let's pitch this to the big publisher. Yeah, let's get this a home. Yeah, yeah. Like, something this fun and this like I don't know, this easy to play and enjoyable mm-hmm. is something that I feel like should just exist in the world. Yeah. 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 And I think we talked about it, like a little bit earlier, just like, do we kickstart this? And we're like, no, that's just too much work. And like, <laughs> yeah. I totally respect that. Right. Yeah. That's a case where like we would hire someone to run a Kickstarter right. campaign. We would probably have no hand in doing it. We just, it's not within our, I mean, we could learn to do it, but we're not going to. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's sort of very, yeah. uh, even if it was the best option for this game, we couldn't commit to that. Yeah. No, uh, no I wouldn't feel like we could do it justice, but you can do it justice, Peter. We'll find I mean, out. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think, I mean, we're all very high on this game and we really believe in it. Yeah. And we, we think we have a lot of confidence in it and we'll see, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> if that bears out. Um, but um, we're, we're talking about it on the show because we want to, as we've always done, and as the nice games jams are really about is opening up this process. And because the three of us don't have the expertise in this process, Peter's here to provide that window into this step and us to be little Padawans to sort of, you know, like, what is the plan? And, and so we're going to do some brainstorming. And I don't really know where we're going to start. Okay, so Peter, why don't you start by telling us, let's say a listener has a board game idea and it's pretty well developed and they played it with their friends. What are the things they need to pitch it to publishers? Well. First of all, I'm going to tell you to play this game with not friends and take it to public events. Ah. That's my first thing is that, uh, of course, whenever you play a game with your friends and your family, they're like, oh, this is fun. This is like, uh, I like this part, like that part. They're not going to tell you what they don't like. Except for, except for me and Eric. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> fine. Those, like, those, you're the good kind of friend that they can... Yeah, not everyone has Straight Talking Dale to help them out. <laughs> <laughs> straight Talking Dale is how we'll introduce you from yeah. now on. Your game is too hard. <laughs> I've, I've heard that one a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll link the YouTube to the playtest event in the Twin Cities and you can listen to me tell everybody their game is too hard. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> I do it a lot. Uh, part of that's because I'm not great at video games. But, yeah, but that's yeah. that's good yeah. feedback, though. Like, yeah. taking it to a prototype is, is, is going to give you so much more, uh, I guess, like, so much more feedback on, Yeah, is this actually what the kind of experience you want people to feel? Is this the kind of game mechanically that's in, like, the right audience? Like, is this, like, even though you want it to be, like, a entry-level game, are the mechanics too hard? For an entry level player. Yep. Yeah. And I will say that I've been to a mini proto spiel because yeah. proto spiel sells out. Yes. Mm. So oh. like pay attention and get your tickets. But like mini proto spiel was just an event, you know, a couple of years mm-hmm. ago at a local game store. Yep. And I got really good feedback and I played some games that were pretty, you know, some of them were really far in development yeah. and they were they were good. And I was able to tell them straight talking Dale stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so it is really helpful. Yeah. Is that something that has been, is that kind of that space been disrupted by COVID? Oh, yes, very much so. Yeah. The, the good news is that we have wonderful things like Tabletop Simulator. Yeah. 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 Which has been uh, a huge boon for like online playtesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dale learned how to use Tabletop Simulator to test out Reravel, which is another one of our next yeah. games jams. And and I learned how to use it to get Roboston up in it. And so by the time we needed to test Glom, uh, you know, with, with strangers, it was, it was the, the, the path had been paved uh, from previous experiments. So even if you don't have something ready now, I would say Tabletop Simulator or there are equivalent uh, uh, software uh, um, options. Uh, figure this out now because it will help you later. Yep. It's, it's a tool worth knowing. And I will link my notes on how to get things into Tabletop Simulator yes, in yeah. the link. Incredibly useful. 
yeah um along with probably one guy's excellent video <laughs> that's still thing. a resource yeah 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 like, like youtube really helped me out in developing my thing we happen to be kind of an adobe uh family so so i needed more specific instructions for using photoshop with that but yeah um really helpful and um as long as we're on topic tabletop simulator it's it's a game you buy and download but there is a four pack and that's yeah. oh, essentially yeah. buy three passes get the fourth one free mm-hmm. and so if you're going to be playing online with friends that's a really good way to do it yeah. and yeah. like think about that ahead of time yeah. like, <laughs> will i be fi- will me and my friends be fine buying at least three copies and just get the four pack yeah yeah mm-hmm. Uh, and you can't get the four pack once you've bought it already. Yes. Oh. Yeah, that's how Steam works. Yeah, that's how Steam works. And you know that yeah. actually, that's just an example of like all the little things. And you think, like, I'm going to make a board game and test it and pitch it. There's all these little things you need to know along the way, just the various workflows and stuff. That like, um, you know, as someone who's been doing development for a long time and you know media, I feel like it's it's not hard for me to learn something. But like, I'm I was flummoxed by how much I had to figure out yeah. to be able to to get the you know the Robossin in this case to the, the the next step of it and I was like okay so it humbled me a little bit to be like all right let's I'll sit back and I'll just I'll just watch these tutorials I'll figure this out and I'm I'm using none of my familiar tools yeah. or not many of them or whatever yeah um but a hundred percent worth it um, okay. yeah. so Peter what are other online tools yeah I was actually typing up on my computer <laughs> I obviously there's tabletopia which is the most immediate uh, comparison to yeah. tabletop simulator tabletopia is free and the amount of stuff that they allow you to do for free is incredible Mm -hmm. it may not be as polished as tabletop simulator uh, in terms of like assets and like importing and things like that but for the price of free and its functionality it's incredible i was quite impressed you you tested a game with us using tabletopia i'd never used it before yeah really easy to use uh it does it it, maybe it's not as polished but it's pretty polished yeah it's good (laughs) yeah i I, i'd recommend giving that a go if you're if uh if that that's an issue yeah on top of it uh being like it's browser based you just sign up for an account Boom! Mm-hmm. You just pump in and That's play. Cool. Send a yeah, link. you share a link for a test. It's good. The workflow is nice. Tabletop yeah. Simulator is a little jankier. Yeah. In that way, in exchange for the power it gives. You. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's easier to share with different people because oh, yeah. I know you know I have a thing on on Tabletop Simulator and to find it because I didn't make it publicly available. I just made it available to my friends. Mm. Even if you're my friend, it's very hard to find. (laughs) (laughs) I should put my notes in there too for how to tell your friends to get to your game. Uh, But yeah, I would say those are the two like leading things that people use for um, prototyping, I think. Mm -hmm. And independent of COVID, like, you know, once the pandemic is truly finally behind us, fingers crossed, um, these are still good tools to keep in your toolbox because, you know, to, to... Test not just with with strangers, but with people from other places, from other communities, and you know, um, it's easier to find people when the pool of people is the is much larger. It's the internet, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think that the other like leading into the next part because you said the question originally being, uh, what is the first thing you do? Is that you test it with your friends and such as that, but you bring it to the public. Mm-hmm. You can both do this both online and in person, uh, but after that point, like you just, I I think my biggest uh, feedback I can give to uh, designers is be open-minded mm-hmm. and that's yeah. like be open-minded yes. to feedback yeah like a, every i'm sure everyone here that's like designed a game it's your baby it's like your your child and like you're very proud of it but when you test it up to the public that's up for debate <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 that's true they don't care how hard you thought about that rule yeah no <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just like this doesn't feel right and i'm like Okay, like why? He's like, I don't know. I just don't like it. That's some straight, honest talking Dale, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's—I mean—that's an aspect of it too. Like sometimes it's it with board games, it's difficult, and games in general, it's mm. difficult to know when somebody's giving you feedback what that feedback means. Oh yeah, that's a—that's a whole other episode. I feel. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've talked about that. Plenty yeah, that's come show. up so often in the show, but like I don't think we've scratched the surface of, of mm-hmm. that topic. It's so important for designers to internalize that, like that get feedback yeah but like that that's just the first step of a really arduous journey mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i think i think the next step is like it's probably work on working on your teach i, I see like, how you teach a game and how you present it oh. that's not something you really have to do for well you, you do that for a video game to that degree but the rules are all dead set and that a player generally can't break those rules yeah. yeah but when you're teaching a board game you're teaching like how everything functions what are the rules what things you can and can't do that's a whole like pitch in itself that's a whole speech and that yeah. takes like 10 15 minutes and 
that's a for a longer game. Yeah. Like, yeah. For a more complicated game that can be very long. Yeah. The phase of your turn, the second phase exactly. of your turn. Exactly. <laughs> right. Who goes next? Yeah. The thing when when we do when we were writing rules for Boston and and even writing show notes for the nice games jams, the thing I'm always worried about is like terminology and there's like a technical writing aspect to it, but also it's like half poetry. Like you yeah. know what I mean? It it has to it's not a VCR manual. It has 100%. to be something that 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 reads uh, that feels linear. So like you, the order, the order in which you teach somebody, it's not a reference guide, even though it becomes a reference guide yeah. later. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an enormous challenge to write a rule book for a board game. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. It's an instructional design challenge. Yeah, that's oh, something. Uh, Ellen's <laughs> eyes are like. <laughs> Ellen, you're you are going to be writing the rule book for Glom. Okay. <laughs> oh, I, thought you, I thought you volunteered. For that. I think I just did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, but uh, the teacher is actually a very important part. And I think that's what one of the things that I really like about Glom is that I can like do it in like a minute. Yeah. 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 Like here's like, here's three cards. You want to say this thing, follow these rules, otherwise you lose and try and do this to get the most points to win the round. First person to three win, three uh, winning Gloms wins. Done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that's it. Like that was like 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. And it's very contextual. Like even if you don't know what, like, I don't know what you mean by that. And then when the game starts, oh, I know what you meant by that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the opposite of what happens with a lot of board games, which is like, I fully internalized your instructions. I don't know how to, how to apply them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Glom, we're lucky in the sense that Glom is easy to teach. And, take I, advantage. and that's why, like, as far, as far as a party game goes, like, that's what makes us really shine. Is that, like, teaching, uh, what is it? Gosh, Cards Against Humanity. Like, that's a yeah. game that everyone knows how to play. But, like, have you tried teaching that to a player who hasn't played it recently? Yeah, it's, it's a, little, a little weird. A little bit of an effort, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but like that, you can still break that down into like a quick 10 second game uh, explanation, which is still a very good sign of a party game. Is that you can just sit down, play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But I would say, uh, yes. Next up, after you want to take it up to people and play it, you want to like look, practice your teach, uh, get, get a little script, not necessarily like a full word for word thing, but, but know what point. what you say. Yeah, it's like the player elevator pitch. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. This is what you're going to be doing. Which, that's a, that's a perfect segue, Dale. Thank you very much. Because, <laughs> like, once you get to the whole teaching thing, uh, when you are very interested in pitching to a publisher, you do need that elevator pitch, that two-minute pitch. Mm-hmm. And it has to have, uh, it doesn't need a byline, but I really like the idea of gravitating to, like, a game needs a byline. That's, like, this one sentence that just ties it all together. Yeah. And you mean a B-U-Y line, not a B-Y line. Correct, yes. Uh. <laughs> But like I, I like Dale's um, looking at the sales sheet again. It's a romp of rewording regular remarks. Like it's it's quirky enough. You're like tell me more. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly what a byline needs to do. Yeah. <laughs> why are there so many R's? Yeah. I know. Like yeah. exactly. Like why is there so many R's? There must be a reason. And you yep. the reason you premise this this is like this is a party game, and you say it's a, a romp of rewording regular remarks. And, and then the publisher's gonna be like, okay, fine. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's fun about it is that um, because the game is about Re- taking a sentence and come with a new way to say it, we actually can have a set a, a a rule and a goal in mind for how someone would have come up with that particular slogan. Mm-hmm. Which on the sell sheet we can actually show how that slogan was created. Yes, which explain which you don't have to go that far when you're being told what glom is. No, but it 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 gives it some depth, which I think is fun. Yep, and I uh, and we'll get to shell states, but I will say that. I've drafted this three times now, and my first draft did not have that. <laughs> and that came as a suggestion from Steven. Ah, that's so, great. So, Peter, oh, do yeah. you need this thing I kept mentioning <laughs> called a sell sheet? Yeah, a sell sheet. That's a really good thing to bring whenever you're uh, taking, when you're going to like the next step. So, after you've taken it and you play tested it, you've got more feedback and you get like a feel like, oh, people really like this. And it's, it's, getting, it's getting positive reviews at showings. Perfect. Uh, you get your pitch your two minute pitch lined up and basically talk, talks about the game you practice how you explain the game because that teach is very important so you can now take it to the next step to where you get a sales sheet and you go to the scary part of maybe like reaching out to publishers at a convention uh cold calling sending emails dming and twitter like all that this next step is the that's why we have peter yeah this is a weird, <laughs> this is a weird step yeah. that sounds really daunting but i'm really relaxed about it for some reason yeah it's just like <laughs> someone else is taking care of it yeah yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's where the sales sheet really comes into play because yeah. this, is a, this is the first physical aspect of your representation of your game. Mm-hmm. And this is something you hand off to somebody. And just like a resume or an interview, like when you're going for an interview, like you only get two minutes for that interview. Imagine that being yep. uh, the I, goal. I would definitely call this a game resume yeah, because absolutely. you have to be that tight with your wording and your formatting 
to sell your game. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's really fascinating how different that is board games are from video games in that way because like the pitch is normally like a PowerPoint presentation hmm. and you like detail all of the different things like the art design yeah. and the and the narrative and all of these things, how you play the game in this presentation. And you like present that to um publishers. But in the board game they take us this sell sheet. If the sell sheet's not good enough, they don't look at you again. Kinda uh, I mean Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, but like they also like uh, they also like graded on who you are too and how you present it. So sure, like, if yeah. your pitch is excellent and your associates blah, that middles out, and they're like, oh, okay, okay, yeah, tell us like send us an email yeah. or so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But if your pitch is great and your associates are great, they're gonna be like, yeah, like okay, can I grab a prototype? And then that's 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 the like that's a really good sign when they want to play it themselves. Yeah, yeah okay. But, One of the things that tripped me up a lot when we started talking about this about putting together uh, sales sheets is how different the different things that a board game publisher wants versus what a video game publisher wants. One of the things that, that is, and dear listener, you may have heard this about video game publishers, is that they want your, they're interested in your game, they want to hear about it, but they also want to hear you about you, the developer mm-hmm. story. Because right. when you pitch a video game, you're pitching, a, if you've got a prototype, that you still got two years left to work. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 the, and the publisher is going to fund that work. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. they need to know about you and your, how, are you able to hire the contractors you need? Are you, uh, is the scope that you're outlining something that you can execute on? The thing that really threw me, and it makes a lot of sense, but I, I didn't grasp it at first, was that board game publishers don't care about that uh, to the same degree anyway. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, a lot do. of times, because for two reasons. One is that the, um, the sort of, the, they don't really, they're not in the, in the business of funding development um, generally. Yeah. And uh, secondly, a lot of times uh, board game publishers um, ha- do development in-house yes. in a way that video game publishers don't. Yeah. Um, and, and those, you know, the details of that is, is arranged. But so a publisher isn't necessarily worried if you can execute. Mm. If you've got a great idea and you've got enough a, a promise and your pitch is great, they don't sort, they don't care as much. And that was something that was very difficult to wrap my mind around because that I've been gearing my, my, how I present my work that way for years now uh, to be like, how do I prove myself as someone you can work with? And that's not quite the same thing. Yeah. Right? I, I, I would say that of course being personable and like having them like you is very important yes. because <laughs> if you have one of like, if you have uh, what is it, the next Catan, but you're just a jerk and, uh, <laughs> and, and like you don't communicate, like send, they send you an email and you don't respond for like a week. Yeah, that they're still probably not going to work with you because of those kind of reasons. Right, right. I, I don't mean to imply that there's, you know, that that the the general standards of collaboration don't apply. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, it, but in in video games, the threshold is incredibly high mm. um, for that kind of thing. Um, it's more it's more important than your prototype in a lot of ways. Huh. Um, uh, it depends on the publisher, I guess. So that was it was a little something to get used to. For me. Yeah, and I would say that it's also true for like the board game world. A lot of publishers will actively take. As soon as you sign the contract, yeah, they will. And this is something that also, like, uh, as like a preface for people who want to like get their game signed and get them published, you have to kind of be okay with letting that IP go because a lot of uh, publishers are going to want to take uh, ownership of the game, right? Because they're yeah. the ones fronting all the money, production costs, art development, right? Yeah, that's more overhead up. to produce a board game. Yes. yes. Yep. Yeah. And not even to mention, like, at this time. Uh, August of 2021, it is like $20,000 to ship a container from China to the United States. Awesome. So like yeah. an outrageous amount of money to like if you produce it somewhere and you have to bring it overseas. Yeah. That's an overhead cost that the publisher will take. So they definitely want that kind of ownership over the product. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this we addressed in a thing I called a Peter sheet. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Which is essentially, you know, our communication to our agent about what we want are we willing to let go of mm-hmm. the art direction mm-hmm. are we willing to do this and that um along with um things that you kind of have to think about which publishers do you think would be a good fit yeah. for your game if it's a party game look at a party game publisher it, it if it's a very detailed <laughs> tabletop <laughs> game with lots of figurines you probably want to go that way yeah get to um, one of those bits and bobs houses yes <laughs> <laughs> Bob's bits and bobs. <laughs> anyway, so, so I just did a thing where Peter asked me list five publishers that you think you'd like to pub yeah. pit, me to pitch to, and uh, so I did a little bit of research because you, you know, as you don't 
pay as much attention because it doesn't flash on your screen. Right. Yeah, that's true. Who the publisher is. It's just a little logo in your corner of looking up similar games and mm. seeing who published them and thinking about uh, pitching there. What else do I have on that sheet? I have potential publishers. Because I'm selling points. Selling points. What the yeah. team can offer. Asbro, baby. Yeah, we're going we're gonna, <laughs> to try to make that happen. Yeah. Uh, what the team can offer a writer of must and want. Yeah. And a writer well, this is, yeah, the sell sheet's important. And I don't even know if we've exhausted the topic, but this this Peter sheet that Dale is describing is is our, us making sure that Peter understands mm. what we want. Right. Um, because Peter is our agent. Mm. And mm-hmm. I, I think I think it behooves us to take a lot of Peter's advice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> rather than just tell him he's not, he's not our mouthpiece. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think we're better off letting him help craft this message. Mm. Yep. But, uh, but he needs to know where we're coming from yeah. and what's important to us, especially because we're not principally board game players. Yep. Yeah. And I would say if you don't have a Peter or an agent kind of helping you out, it may be helpful to put together a document like yeah. this of your notes yeah. just so that you think about, hey, am I willing to give up the art direction for this? And, you know, if you if nobody wants that, they need to take over. Is that something you're willing to give up? Yeah. Is that something that your team is willing to give up? Exactly. Is this a game that's better suited for Kickstarter where you have absolute control mm-hmm. over everything? Yeah. So I think that it's for us has been a really, really helpful and just starting to formulate those concepts and understand what our wants and needs are, as well as being a good place for notes for, you know, where we can tell you, this is why we think it's a great game. Yeah. We think it can be used in classrooms. We think expansion decks are going to be a, a great selling point. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't know if I told you this. I played this with uh, a buddy named Phil, who is a former English teacher. And oh. they died on the end. So like, I wish I had this when I was teaching <laughs> because this would have been an immediate everyday class assignment. All right. All right, everyone. Oh. Here's, your, uh, here's your writing assignment for the day. Boop, boop, boop. Go. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, that would be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is good. I, I might have to borrow the prototype deck for when I go hang out with my college friends. There you go. Yeah. Who are all English teachers. There, there you go. <laughs> yeah. But that writer is very nice to look at because if it tells me it does, it just also like gives you, gives yourself perfect framework too. Because right. I think one of the most common objections I get from people who like first time developers is I don't want anyone to steal my idea. Yeah, that's a yeah, very common secrets. Thing. But yeah. Uh, yeah, ours ours is on the internet. <laughs> yeah, no, but but also don't steal it. No. <laughs> oh yeah, that was not an offer. Yeah, that wasn't permission. Oh gosh, no. The the amount of work that you guys are putting in into this product is the immediate barrier right. for why someone because like do you like oh like so, somebody wants makes wants to make the next uh Slay the Spire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Slay the Spire, you you can't really like uh copyright that, those mechanics kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. A lot. There are so many games that. Play, uh, have a very similar play cycle. That's very true for board games. You yeah. can't really copyright those things. Right. So yeah. if you have an idea and the theme, you showcase it, be prepared for other people to like extrapolate from it. Yeah. But don't like respect everyone to sign an NDA to play test your game. Yeah. Right? That's well, unreal. And like, <laughs> yeah, like you're saying, it, it takes a lot of effort to make. We talk about this on the show all the time. Yeah. I would hope, listeners, at this point, you would know <laughs> video games are hard to make. Yeah. Board <laughs> games are hard to make too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And expensive. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so. Yeah, like, I mean, I I suppose there's, it's not bad to be, like, cautious about people stealing. I don't think you have to be worried about it as much as, like, people make it sound like. Well, I feel also it's, uh, if you think it's a risk, yeah, then, I mean, I I don't think it is, but but for the sake of argument, let's say that you should feel a little bit, maybe your idea is so novel Mm -hmm. that that it's so attractive that you believe that when anyone gets wind of it, they will start the engines on the competitor. Sure, yeah. I mean... It's not it's not the most insane thought in the world. It could happen, no, yeah. right? If you think that, it is still beneficial to not worry about it because yeah. all of the advantages you get from being able to have access to more playtesters, to get mm-hmm. more feedback, to be able to work in the open, like that is something that is, I mean, just we talk about it in video games all the time, the culture mm-hmm. of, of secrecy yeah. just actually hurts the production workflow of video games. Absolutely. Right? And that's the same in any work that you do. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I would say that like, it's, you know, you're not crazy for thinking that maybe you want to be protective of your idea, but at the same time, there's the trade-off that you got to consider, which is just the actual cost to keeping it in a file folder and showing it to nobody. Right. You know, you know, cost of quality. And also, you know, like maybe one of the people you invite to your 
board game testing event would just be like, I could make this. (laughs) (laughs) But like Stephen was saying, it's hard. And if you've gotten to the point where you're already playtesting it, you're like miles ahead of that other person. Yeah, exactly. So. And take it from us. We're making a game that like you can. It is so easy to clone it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's conceptually very easy. In fact, I would fully expect people to just write their own cards, Mm -hmm. make their own decks. Yeah. They they hear of the game from their friends and they don't buy a copy. Like that's that's this kind of game. It's that simple. It's that explainable. Um, And we're trying to pitch it to, you know, big companies who would be would be more worried about something that could be that easily cloned. And we're not that worried about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing I think, and this is might be getting a little bit off topic, so rein me back in if we need to. But one of the things I nobody, think nobody rein Ellen in. <laughs> oh my God, sell it out to see. Well, <laughs> I'm going to feel real bad if this isn't the hot take that I've set it up to be. <laughs> um, I think that with games that are really like simple, mm-hmm. um, there are certain aspects that then are really critically important, right? When you don't have like oodles and oodles of, you know, bits and bobs or mm-hmm. rules that are like esoteric and you have to read four times or have someone do a tutorial night, which, you know, Magic the Gathering is like that for me. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> me too. Yeah. Um, where was I going with this? I don't think you can clone Glom if you don't have awesome writing skills. Yeah. yeah. So, and there are other games like that, like Cards Against Humanity, right? Like that voice, the writing voice that comes through on all those cards mm-hmm. is so clear. It's, even though structurally the game is simple and it might look like, oh, this will be easy to clone. I don't necessarily think it is. Yeah, and yeah. and then also with um with Glom, yeah, I think I think there's a big there's a big element of like writing skill and grammar that has to go into like thinking what's going to work, you know? Yeah. Like, you've tried tons and tons of different phrases Dale and like you've tossed them away and you've tested them and it's not something that's just like looks yeah, it's, as it's simple a, it is a little bit there's a little more to it than it appears I, I guess which yeah. is maybe that that's our biggest protection against copying mm-hmm. well okay so, yeah yeah so, yep so so then you, you or your agent now that you've thought about all these things pitches it to publishers where are good places to do that oh my god so it is. Yeah, this is the what next part of it. Uh, so that you've got your. So yes, you've gone. You got play testing. You got your pitch worked up together. Your elevator speech. You've got your sales sheet, and you're ready to make that call. Uh, literally, the hardest part is to make that cold call happen, mm. and to like reach out to people. Like I, I tweeted at uh, Check Games Edition, and they're like, "Yeah, are you going to be at Gen Con? Are you taking pitches?" And they're like, "Yeah, please write to." Uh, I'm not not to, not to throw them under the bus, but like, please write to blank at checkgames.com with the fact sheet, all necessary information about the game, and we'll get back to you. Mm. That's it. Like, that is the first step. You yeah, do yeah. this many times. It's just uh, like, mm-hmm. like sending a resume, like I said before, like sending a resume out into the internet. Like, this yep. is the same thing. Yep. <laughs> and eventually, you'll hook somebody. And you got a hook, set up the meeting, be timely, be professional, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened in my case, I, I just got lucky. <laughs> For lack of a better word. Um, this is the first success you had? Is yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it and unfortunately it's not. Uh, so like spoilers, there might be some bad like uh, bad my, bad uh, things that are going to be coming up for this particular project. But uh. we're gonna do later. Well, I mean, it's helpful for listeners to know there's ups and downs. Yeah, there's absolutely. But like I met uh, my friend Danielle at Protospiel. We play tested the game together, and they beat out my friend Johnny, who I consider to be one of like the better board gamers in my group. Mm-hmm. And we had a Protospiel play testing this game. Uh, uh, Golden Molar, Gold Molar Games, wherever you are out there, I still want that game, by the way. <laughs> uh, I, they kind of like fell silent, but I played tested the game. That game was fabulous. Mm. Um, but then at that point, I met Danielle again at the Protospiel Mini, and they oh, had wow. brought a prototype. Uh, and we ca- uh, they called it uh, Tower Tactics for the time being or something. Yeah. And it was basically a, a dice drop block game on a rotating tower. And your goal was to line up. Uh, you get to you get some secret objectives, which is like uh, a color and a number, and you're basically just trying to uh, make patterns and line up uh, coordinates on this rotating tower. Mm-hmm. Yep. So like Tetris shaped pieces. No, no, this was uh, just little similar oh, dice. Yeah, like, yeah. This was yeah, these dice cool. pulled yes. from Sagrada. But that was make, the like, shape. That you oh yeah, 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 yeah. Shapes yep. you would make were like your classic L piece, the Z, uh, the reverse Z. The What's S. great about that game is it's uh, it, it's physicality. Yeah. And even in prototype form, it was a bunch of standard components taped together. Yeah. Like it really sold that physicality. I could, it, it really. You, I just imagine what it would look like produ- produced. You yeah, know? exactly. Um, that's a big part of the appeal of that game. I think. 
And I think the, the, the craziest story is that's like, yeah, like Daniel just was out there. We play tested it. I got a little bit of buzz. And I'm like, yeah, Daniel, if you need help, I would happily work on this with you. Uh, we worked on it for uh, about three months uh, with, with Johnny and Sarah uh, and a few friends playtesting, getting feedback, figuring out exactly what we want. And then we, eventually, we actually happened to meet Ben Parkins, who is a, uh, the owner of Floodgate Games, which is a local publisher here in Minnesota with their flagship game of Sagrada, which I'm sure you may or may not have heard, but it's basically a dice drafting game. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> a dice drafting game building a stained glass windows based on Sagrada in Barcelona, Spain. Mm. Yeah, so beautiful game. Cool. Uh, but the funny part was that we were using Sagrada pieces, the dice from Sagrada, <laughs> as the prototype pieces, which drew Ben there. Uh-huh. And okay. they played it. And later on, down the road, I pitched that game to Ben, and he signed it. Oh! Yeah. yeah. That, this was within, like, six months. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. wonderful. Yeah, yeah, and I was I like... Mean, I've crazy. played that game at Playtest events, yeah. and that game is good. Yeah, I Yeah, like, like yeah. that has the juice. It, it's the game after you're done, you want to play it again. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's where, that's how that first signing happened. And then I did a little bit of work for Flugit for the year, and they took me to events like Gen Con, uh, Origins, PAX Unplugged. These are really big board game conventions, uh, which I recommend you guys, if you're interested in pitching a game, just either A, attend, or B, like, uh, attempt to make these meetings happen at those conventions. Yeah, yeah. Like GDC is like that for video game developers. Yeah, I, the, they're very different events. Very different. <laughs> yes. But the, the, the meeting structure, the is actually quite similar. Yep. And in and they're just basically places a lot of people will be. Yep. And so meetings happen there. Yes. <laughs> yep. Okay. So then you go to these conventions, you have a meeting, they look at your game, they say, Excellent, I'll sign this right now. Order Whoa. ten thousand copies. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Rainer in. <laughs> okay, okay. So this uh, I wish it was that easy. <laughs> but once they like the game, they take the prototype with them. Uh, then the whole, uh, this, next, this next legal process comes up. And this is my least favorite part. Oh, legal process. Uh, it's the worst. Oh, dear. Boom. I'm not really, I hate bureaucracy. Uh. Well, hold up. Let's talk about <laughs> that pitch ahead. meeting. What happens in that pitch meeting? Oh, that pitch meeting. Oh, well, like, like generally, you get like 30 minutes uh, to showcase the game. Mm-hmm. And you generally play a few rounds of it. Okay. Or like uh, depending on the length of your game, like if you have like a really heavy three-hour war game, then you have to you better figure out how to like pitch that in thirty minutes. It's very right, important. Right. But if you have it's a, not a problem we have, but yeah. I imagine people will have to find a way to use that time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking about somebody trying to play Risk. It takes thirty minutes to set up that yes, game. Exactly. <laughs> so depending, like it, it comes a little bit more targeted depending on like how heavy your game is. So uh, for Tower Ga- uh, Tower Tactics. Uh, that game was very easy to set up in terms of just you had a dice bag and you had a little cool model and you just rotated the model on the thing. That yeah. was enough for my pitch. Uh, mm-hmm. And I knew exactly how I wanted to pitch it. So I worked on my eleva- elevator speech. Uh, we sat down, brought out the prototype, said my pleasantries, of course, you know, be a very personal person. But then... That's easy for Peter. It is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, during that meeting, though, you are, you are on. Like, uh, if you were, like, considering yourself, like, doing a presentation or an interview... You are on. Right. Yep. yep. So showcasing your game, let, uh, allowing it to be a conversation, of course. Let them ask their questions. Let them poke and pry. Uh, and then you play a little bit of it, or you at least kind of explain the mechanics that are you feel are most unique, most noteworthy, what makes a player a player want to spend money on this game. And you don't have to say, say that explicitly, but you express it through like your mechanics or maybe a theming or an idea that you think somebody would want uh, out of this game. And then kind of like, put it in their idea of like, well, hey, like, this is why this would be a great product for you to make. Yeah. And this is uh, where you get a little bit more uh, targeted in terms of your pitch. Yeah, your just like pitching. when you're interviewing for a job. This yeah. is why I'm perfect for yes, your company. Exactly. Right? And then you go to the next company and you're like, this is why I'm perfect for <laughs> your company. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's actually a good point, which is to say like, you know, you want to gear your pitch to the publisher, mm-hmm. but you also don't want to do that cynically. Mm, right, yeah. you actually do yeah. want to pitch publishers that your game is good for. Yeah, yep. Exactly, <laughs> and that's why in my list of five publishers that I would like Peter to pitch to, I took a look at their games. Mm-hmm. I took a look, you know, like as Modi is on there, and they yeah. made Timeline, and I was like, this is very similar. Yeah, mm-hmm. I looked up who published Apples to Apples because I also felt like that was similar. R- rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, etc. So, so, so. Yeah, you got to do your research on the company too, mm-hmm. and and kind of gear it that way. How well will care why they would be good for your game? Yeah, but if that all goes well and they like the game, 
you get to the contract stage. And this is where having that writer internally makes you a little bit more prepared for it because that writer or that uh, contract is going to say a lot of things, which is going to be like, uh, do, are you okay with us having the ownership? If so, then you better sign. If not, don't sign it. And if that's yeah. something you need to like discuss in that meeting initially, depending on like how it goes, there's a whole flow of conversation post-meeting. Like uh, emailing back and forth, being like, what are some things that I'm worried about? What are some things I want? And like some of the, one of the things that I really wanted uh, working with Ben was I wanted to be at conventions. I wanted to be out there, like being in the part of the community. Uh, and he allowed that. He's like, yeah, we'll sign you on. And we, if, whenever we go to a convention, that, uh, we'll help take care of you, like uh, compensate your room and your hotel and stuff like that. But you're working for me in that case. Like, like you're coming, working the booth, right. doing events and such and such. And that's what I wanted, though. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And so I put that part of my contract. I was mm -hmm. just like, hey, I want these elements. May I? And he's like, sure. And that's yeah. something you just It negotiate. was like, I met you during the pitch meeting. You were very personable. Yeah. <laughs> you would be great running a booth. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but that's stuff like you can ask for. And like, don't forget that you have the power to ask. You also have the power to deny. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh -huh. Like if they want to make sequels and stuff like that. Like, I, I really appreciate that you have it in your uh, writer of just like approval of like uh, future designs or like or like first right of refusal, perhaps if they want to make a sequel. Yeah. One of the things I think is important to us for Glom is like it because it's a concept that is very easily expandable. Um, a publisher is going to have control over that. We want to remain have remains in that conversation because <laughs> there's ways you could take it in a way mm -hmm. that we wouldn't approve. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in, in ways that we would strongly disapprove, perhaps. And so. That is something that matters to us. Yeah. And that's very good work. So once I get it to, to people and they're going to maybe have their own opinions or their old takes, I'm going to let them know. It's like, hey, the team wants this. Like, they really like the name Glob. <laughs> if that's like, if you're going to retire it, you better have a good reason because if they don't yeah. like it, they might walk. And that's going to be hard for like that partnership to happen. But I will like express that when they, if that's something they are concerned about. Yeah. And you know, we have to be ready too. like, if this deal is great, but one of our no goes, they're fighting us on, maybe we compromise. Yeah. You know, we and, have to exactly. decide how important and we, with more information we get it, it's a process. Yeah. Like, like I'll, I'll tell you straight up right now, if Hasbro says they want this game, you change your name, do whatever it wants. <laughs> yeah, there's a, the, yeah, there's a, the the end cap at target uh, uh, condition uh, condition or scenario. Which yeah, will yeah. make us very pliable, I imagine. Right, exactly. <laughs> that's that's the thing. So like, be uh, reasonable in your uh, even your own writer, but like, yeah. to say yeah. like, be honest with yourself too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that when I first drafted that, just based on our conversation, oh. and I wanted you all to look at it. You know, some of it was a we like this. If they want to, we want approval. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. you know, and I, I, I divided it up with like, these are our musts. These are our wants. These are our nice to haves. Mm -hmm. Just yes. to give you a good idea, because I think that's really hard to communicate the importance. Yeah. I would say like one of the other clients I'm working with, one of their uh, like high like musts is that uh, the cast and crew that are create is creating of the characters of Dungeons and Diadria. Uh, they want to make sure that it's uh, there's a wonderful exp uh, what is what am I looking for? Like <laughs> a wide cast of characters. Yeah. Both representation of gender, sexuality, physical uh, yeah. shape, body shape, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. That is, that's a, that is a high requirement of them. So mm -hmm. any publisher that I end up signing that with is going to have to abide by those. I, I would hope right. so. And that's, that's going to be in You can contract. word that in the contract. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And that's, yeah. A good, that's the thing that they could just ask for. Otherwise, if they break that contract, you could they get their game back. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. yeah, you know, we talk about it in video games all the time. It's like there are things you make games for, like things you want to say or yeah. things that matter to you, and that's you you want that to survive the contract yeah. stage. Yep. You know. Yep. So what are we saying with Glom? <laughs> I mean, it's it's an interesting question. Like, what is it that matters to us? What is it about the? Is it just that it's fun and good? Um, I think that's very important. Yeah. But I think it's also important to us that like there is a little bit of like smart in it. Yeah, I think that's I don't know about the rest of everybody exactly, but I'm with Dale on this that it it should in it should uh, work that part of your brain. Yeah. Um I think a lot of party games are about who could be the funniest or even who could be the wittiest. Yeah. And I don't think Glom is that and I like that yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can have those moments, but it's brainy. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's true. Not yeah. Jackbox. Yeah, of <laughs> Jackbox. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it's yeah. a, no, but different that, that's, market. Yeah, that's yeah, one of the things market. where if a publisher comes in and says, "Oh, I would love to make this wacky," mm -hmm. I feel like I would be like, "Well, I don't really want to work with you then." Yeah, yeah. like yeah. I mean, maybe we can make that work. Maybe we could figure something out or yeah. compromise, or yeah. maybe or we could be convinced. A, but a 
middle ground of what wacky works. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like, also, the game is inherently wacky. Yes. But it's like smart. It. It's like smart wacky. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, you yeah, have yeah. to actually work to not work, but like work to, you know, develop like the funny. So. Well, for me, I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. like, I think there's the sort of class clown of your board game group. Ah, uh, yeah. And yeah. I don't want them to win every round of bluff. Yeah. Oh, no, no. You know? yeah. um, and, and so, you know, but the rules engender, engender that. So it actually yes. would be hard to change it. So yeah. um, I think that there's, um, we have things that matter to us, but also maybe we pro- there's probably things we're worried about that will not be, not come up mm-hmm. and things we haven't thought of that will come up and we'll be like, oh, Precisely. I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's one of the reasons we have Peter to help us navigate it. Yeah, you just never know like, Maybe something really mattered to you that you just didn't know later. Okay, so we're, pro- we're supposed to be recording an extra edition for Patreon after after this, right? Yes. Who, who says? I thought we we literally said that in the episode. Alan, did you hear anything about this? I think I just said it. Oh, all right. <laughs> well. No. Now we're now we're in it. Now we're doing it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Well, there's so much content on Patreon nowadays, you know, on our Patreon. Yeah, a lot of things. I say when we started the Patreon, it was we made a promise to listeners that there would not be a lot up there. Yeah, actually, we did say that. We, we're like, listen, we're not going to. You can't trust us to add a ton of stuff. <laughs> yeah. we, we want your support. We're not gonna. Oh, yep. but but you know what? We put some stuff up there. We really did. <laughs> <laughs> we, we put in some work, y'all. <laughs> We've got more to say. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's 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 nice too because like um, you can support us through Patreon. We, we you know because the show costs money to run and develop and things, but then you get access to all this fancy stuff we've got. There's like me and Mark learning things from Ellen as we want to do. Uh, that's pretty much a hundred percent of the content. Yeah, that's a lot of it. But I mean, it's also us like doing like production stuff in the background, like and we talk about that kind of thing, like our work process. Yeah. So like you can hear how the show is made on uh, in the Patreon as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you can go to patreon.com slash nice games club to in any amount. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, we can tell people there's stuff up there. Yeah. But we have something special we're recording today that's going to be up there that we can tell them uh, uh, what's that all about. Yes. It's the, uh, we're going to do doing Trello work. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it sound boring. Okay, we're going oh to, we're going yeah. to, we're going to edit this a little bit. That's a very clumsy bit to that. Of course. I'll give it a shot. <laughs> We're going to be doing Trello work. (laughs) 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 Okay, Ellen, explain yourself. (laughs) Okay, we're working on Glom together. We're going to work on Glom together. And and also Dale is here. Mm -hmm. Um, And Peter's here. Hello. Hello, still here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we're, we, uh, I'm assuming Dale spun up a Trello board, which, did you? I did. I, I populated it with a bunch of activities that we want to do and get ready for pitching. So that includes things like making a video of, of gameplay and to show to publishers. It includes finalizing our sales sheet, getting things in place, lots of stuff. Lots so of we stuff. just kind of wanted to bring you as a Patreon on our journey of uh, getting gone ready. Yeah. So that's the plan. We're well gonna said. we're gonna organize ourselves, and that's you want to kind of get that auditory peek behind the scenes then jump on Patreon. Mm-hmm. Nicegames.club. Wait, no, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com slash Nicegames.club. That's right. Patreon.club slash Nicegames.club. Did you just say <laughs> Patreon.glom? I did. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's get to the 
money part of the contract. Oh, yeah. Okay. What, oh. what we might expect as yeah. a publisher, because there is a lot of overhead that the, that yeah. the publisher takes on. This is a yeah. physical game. Wait, it's real fun. quick, listeners, find some. Find somewhere to sit down first before we <laughs> reveal some of these. Oh yeah, that's too. right. Because there's a huge disparity between how video game and uh, board game publishers yeah, yeah. contracts. Yeah. So, uh, the the money side of things is that uh, there is generally a small advancement uh, of depending on the publisher and how big they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that advancement generally is not more than like a thousand dollars or something like that. Yeah. And the rest of it is a percentage of a profit that that the company makes. Mm-hmm. Of off that product, so somewhere anywhere between as low as five percent and as high as maybe thirteen percent, but the average being about seven for like a first time publisher mm-hmm. or lower, depending on uh, who you're working with. Yeah. So to just because listeners may have thought they misheard it, yes, that's about seven percent to the developer. Yes, that is yeah. correct. Right. Yeah. And and so I mean, explain <laughs> why why is that not crazy? Yeah. Uh, because as I mentioned earlier, it is twenty thousand dollars right now to ship a container from China, which yeah. is probably where the manufacturing is happening, and not only are you shipping that container, you're paying X thousand, X hundreds of thousands of dollars to get that product made. Right. On right. top of the internal development, including the art assets that they're probably going to be making, mm-hmm. rebranding their own team. Like there is a whole network of people that they're going to have to pay and uh, fun, uh, funnel money to yep. in order to make this physical product. Yeah. But they're their person who calls up games by James and yes. gets it distributed there. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. those relationships that a, a video game publisher has to maintain with Valve or Nintendo right. are different. Now, I I do want to make it clear that like I think that this is the reality we live in. Yeah. But I'm I, I want to make sure that we don't make it clear that we are making this justification. This is this is what the industry has made this justification. Yes. It may well be that developers are severely underpaid. I don't have the knowledge to know if that's yeah, true or not. Same. Yeah. I only know things in terms of video game stuff. Yeah, so, like, I and no so I, yeah, I want to make it clear that like I, I don't want the, anyone to walk away from this episode thinking that like we're, we're that we agree with this. No, just that this is the justification that's been provided, and right. a, there's some there is some <laughs> logic to it. Um, uh-huh. you know, there's maybe details we don't know, but that is why it it seems so shocking. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and if you don't like it. Kickstarter is a option now. Absolutely. Yep. Where yeah. it wasn't years before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is another aspect. And I, I we mentioned that before of like saying that this is a game that could absolutely thrive on Kickstarter. Hmm. But the amount of work that you as a person have to do as a team. Like you mean work. Steven, right? Yeah. Uh, Steven, yes. What? <laughs> Hold on. The amount of work that Steven has to do to lead a Why Kickstarter me? campaign. <laughs> We're not doing Kickstarter. It's okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. No, no, no. But I, if we were. I'm not, Ellen and I are not doing Kickstarter. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hold on. <laughs> But, Wait a minute. <laughs> but <laughs> in short, Trash. in short, there is actual Kickstarter companies that you can reach out to. And yeah. People who are yes. contractable Kickstarter campaign runners. That is a now a new job. Like is like that's a new job role. Yeah. And title. Yeah. 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 So, so that's yeah, so. so yeah. So, listener, if you think that might be the job for you, that's, that's something to look into because yeah, yeah. it's like, a brand out. new job. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the you know the the Peter of that category right yeah. like you know well, peter um, kickstarter uh, oh peter you, you saw a need and you filled it and that's that's what people do mm-hmm. you know to, to help manage kickstarter campaigns yeah and it's incredibly valuable because they're really hard to do they are but but yeah like but that percentage i i'm i'm on the side of mark and that like i don't think it's completely fair but at the exact same time the the way that the way that once you sign the contract they take the product and you are done you've crossed yeah. the finish line that's how a lot of publishers work that goes away is towards actually justifying a little bit. Yeah. To say that they, they are more invested in, 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 uh, in time and money. Yeah. And it can be different. Every publisher is a little bit different too. Mm-hmm. So there are some people who are like, if you want to continually work on it, continue to develop it, that's something you can ask for. Uh, or that's something that may, they may ask of you before they even sign the contract. Being okay. like, hey, we want to see this a little bit more developed in this regards, which is uh, an unfortunate, very common thing. It's spec oh. work, right? Yeah. They're yeah. like, oh, we really like this. We're very interested. We'd love to see... XYZ first before uh, we sign. And yeah. that is very much the spec work. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Video game publishers do that too. You'll send a prototype and they'll be like, I'd love to see this when it's further along. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I get uh, it. Uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. You want to make a safer bet. I understand. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know. But that's very true in the board game world too. So, mm-hmm. Like uh, for specifically Dungeons and Diadria, we are at a crossroads. Oh, yeah. Ooh, mm-hmm. We pitched it to different publishers, and one of them wants it easy, like simpler, a little bit more approachable. Somebody wants it way more complex. Oh, yeah, right. they want like a campaign, right? And neither of those are correct, right? They they could both result in excellent versions, exactly, campaign, right? Yeah, yeah. but to pick a direction, yeah, mm-hmm. and that's where like having your wants as a as a designer, being like, what, yeah. what do you really want for this game to do? Yeah. What do you want the game to say? 
you you go down the direction that you want and then you say goodbye to the other publisher who was also interested but maybe they wanted it a different way mm -hmm. well let me ask you a little bit about something that i know matters to video game designers yeah. which is you know we talk about like dev art in a prototype yeah. and 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 how that can impact a playtester and very frequently video game publishers want something a little bit more polished not Sometimes they will ask for a vertical slice, which is a <laughs> basically finished version of five minutes of your gameplay, yeah, yeah. which is that's an unreasonable demand from the publisher. But they do sometimes ask for it. Mm -hmm. um, but my understanding, and you can help clarify this, is that uh, board game publishers don't care as much about that. I yeah, know <laughs> they, they don't care about if you have a great logo. They don't care if you've if, you, if your theme is all together. It's not as important to them, although it can help. Yes. Um, it's not it's not like a must have. Yeah, I would say uh, the amount of games that get pitched and have the same theme to them are is generally like it's just like a shotgun it's completely wild yeah mm. you could corn flip it and be like oh is this game gonna stay on target probably not mm. like mm. How, how many pirate games have you seen in the past generation or like past year for board games so many yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's like a reason why you're like oh i made a pirate game like well no we're not doing another pirate game because we just made one last year right we're gonna take this incredible great drafting mechanic you have though and put it to something else mm. see that's mm -hmm. exactly how it would go <laughs> well, so let me ask you. We yeah, we made yeah. a prototype deck for Glom, yeah, with some nice art, and yeah. you know, it's it's, it's a ah. game that is um, specifically uh, it's a word game, so yeah. it's designed entirely with with using words yes. as graphics, and so that's something that I I liked to do with it. But that said, with no illusions that it would be the final version necessarily. Yeah. Although I, in my opinion, it could be. But it looks we, good, but we're not. <laughs> we're, you know, I don't I don't think that's one of our things to say that this is the final or, or else. But how? Is will that impress a publisher or do they not care? A little bit, I would say. Like I, again, I keep picking on Dungeons and Diadria because I yeah. really, I'm mean, that's like my next. Uh, other it's the one than, in your head right now. Yeah, it is. Yeah, other yeah, than yeah. Glom, like that's the one, next one I'm like also really pushing for at like right. Con. Yeah. Um, but that game had incredible aesthetics and in terms of like its importance to uh, gameplay to game visual, mm -hmm. it was very important for that mm -hmm. game to okay. function. Mm. Uh, because basically you're making whole matches of uh, two sides of an element and. Sure. If it doesn't match, then you don't gain the bonus for it. Right. Oh, yeah. But that matching is so important to look visually. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. But other games like I don't know, like I can tell you about like Tower Tactics. It was, it was a post-it card cut up that sit inside a plastic container. Yeah. And these cards were uh, and the gold cards were in on the back of like a white sheet on a magic card backing. And oh, that, yeah. was, that was a prototype. And I was yeah. like, boom, we got there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. And like that. That's how. That's how variable it can be. And yep. what matters is the gameplay, of course, yeah. for all like like all games. Like, is is the mechanics fun? Is it engaging? Will I want to play it again afterwards? Yeah, yeah. And that is that's what matters more to a publisher than any amount of fancy art. Yeah, yeah. So I know you cut that phrase out as a quote and like stick it on a bunch like the <laughs> Nice Games Club bumper sticker <laughs> from Peter. Oh my god. <laughs> so I know uh, Peter. Uh, um, some of a lot of us have play tested some of the games that you've been working with, yeah. and uh, one of the techniques I've seen more than once is games that you tons of uh, stand-in art mm. um, that you know wouldn't pat you know they obviously would be a copyright violation, but they're not being distributed. Yeah. But that is that is a way to get around the oh, fact that yeah. it, you don't want to invest a lot of time in final art. But it gives you the feeling yes. of the game. It's game feel. Yeah. It's very important. Yeah. Yeah. And do you find that that can sometimes maybe lock you into something? Or is or is it really just or is it there's just so much um 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 available that you can really make whatever feel you want? You're not actually limited because yeah. Google image search can get you literally anything. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that's that's very good to know is that like don't I wouldn't be married to one thing. Yeah. In terms of like uh, like a fantasy setting for a game it could be any type of fantasy. It could be like Star Trek fantasy. It could be World of Warcraft fantasy. Uh -huh. And mechanically, all you'd have to do is change the art, the character names, maybe some like oh, this is your uh, descriptors. Yeah, the some descriptors. Yeah, like yeah. like blah, blah, in the fancy forest. Exactly. <laughs> oh, like it's in the forest. Yeah. It's, it's at a space pub. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, it's something you have to decide how much it matters to you. I think yeah. I think in video games, it's more likely that your narrative and art are part of the holistic experience. Yeah. Right. It's less common in board games. And and but if it is important to you, you have you probably have to be ready to explain that because a publisher may not understand that that's exactly. important to you. Oh my gosh. Peter, thank you so much for coming on to oh, our show. It's been a pleasure. It has been just good a good chat. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. the the start of something, which is the best part of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> listeners, uh, we are going to be going off to do some work on the game. Uh, and the marketing materials. Yeah, and so we uh, thank Peter for that uh, upcoming work as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
Actually, I guess there's so much more I wanted to say, but maybe that's left for another episode. Yeah, well, let's we'll, have you back we'll on. Have yeah, you back <laughs> on. yeah. When we get our signed contract, oh we'll my be God. like, Peter, it's time for him back on. Oh, Is oh that gosh. motivation for you? Yeah, we'll, we'll be doing the make it rain and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> with, don't with jinx our, it. Our one dollar bills. Yeah, our one dollar bills. Ten bucks. Woo. Oh, well, Peter, where can people find you on the internet? Oh yeah, I, I have a Twitter. That's kind of the easiest way to reach out to me. Um, I'm at Zettelviker, which is Z E T T O V Y K E R, and just DM me if you have a game yourself that you want to play or just want to get like reviewed or maybe want to pitch. Just reach out to me. I'm happy to uh, work out with a lot of people. So yeah, cool, cool. We will put those links in the show notes. That's our show. Check out our website, nicegames.club, for show notes and links to resources on today's topics, which were wide-ranging and many, so definitely check out those links. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode and on our programming in general. Go to nicegames.club feedback and tell us what you think. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter at NiceGamesClub, where Dale tweets about game dev resources and red burb is laugh, then destroy. Or you can email us through contact at nicegames.club. I'm not going to explain that tweet at all. You have to go look at it. Yes. Want to well, support- Dale is here. We could ask her. No, no. Nope. Go on the Twitter. I already said it. <laughs> okay. Want to support the show? There are so many ways. Give us a review on your favorite podcast app. Go to Twitter and retweet some of Dale's stuff. Tell your friends about your favorite episodes. Join us on Discord by visiting nicegames.club slash Discord. And we're on Patreon. As a patron of the show, You'll enjoy bonus content, some of which we're going to record momentarily, extra jokes, and more. Sign up at patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. Yeah, so uh, if you don't agree, die mad. <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.